Good morning, Overlake. Why don't you go ahead and stand up with us? Uh, we're going to start the service with some worship. We just sing along.
out together. Is that is that cool? Sing it out. Sing all depression wash away. Breathe new life in 
gather together and be reminded of what our deepest desire is. All that we want is Jesus, for Jesus to have his way in us and in this church. And so on a weekly basis, to gather and to celebrate that reality, to be reminded of that reality is, is no small thing, but incredibly powerful. I'm Pat. I'm one of the pastors on the team here. And as you came in, uh, you received a handout. And in there, there's some great things happening. So check that out. But but tucked inside is one of our good friends at Overlake. If you come on a regular basis, you know we talk about the connection card every week. And uh, it's not because we want to know uh, just emails for the sake of emails or phone numbers or addresses for the sake of those things, but uh, it's to connect to be able to care for. And so that's the heart of this card, especially on the back. How can we be praying for you? Or what's the next step that you're taking in your faith journey? We, we, we would love to know what that is uh, to really just come alongside you. And so at some point during the service, just fill it out. You can drop it in the bucket when it comes by later. Uh, if it's your first time, you deserve a gift from us. We would love to send you out of here with a gift. And, th and this gift is such a good gift, it will help you get through the next few months of Seattle weather. Uh, it's not all going to be like today, and we know that, so we want to prepare you. So, uh, uh, so make sure uh, you get that from us on your way out. Just swing by the Connection Center with your card, and we'll love to get that to you. Well, let's do this. You're, you're surrounded by some good people, uh, and, and they have been shocked to see vitamin D just like you have. And so how about you catch a name and find out on a scale of 1 to 100 how excited are they that the sun is out today. All right? Go for it. My name is still Pat, and I'm still one of the pastors on the team. Not, nothing's changed in the last few seconds there. 
Uh, guys, I'm excited. We're, we're in week two of a series as we're walking through a book of the Bible called First Thessalonians. Uh, ch- check this out. We're in week two, and it's five weeks, and we're talking about chapter two this week. Guess how many chapters there are? Seven. Five. Yeah, that was a little hard. Kind of tricky math. Uh, we'll, we'll get there by the end. Okay. How many of you, by raise of hands, be bold, be bold, don't be shy, don't be shy. How many of you have written a love note before in your life? You've written a love letter, maybe not even a letter, just a text. Maybe just the emoji. You've sent the heart emoji, okay? Yes, yes, every one of us. Well, I have here one of the boxes, we have a, we have a couple at home, of the love letters that I have kept and my wife has kept that we wrote from each other to each other. Uh, We may or may not have looked like this back when we were uh, writing these things. Um, Guys, uh, little context here on those pictures. This is important to understand here. The the picture on the right, and by the way, I'm playing a great game. Check this out. I gave her a dandelion. You can tell the little yellow flower I got her, you know, like I'm I'm, I'm kind of cheap. I'm wearing my truck there. that picture was taken after church one Sunday, and, and, and then like 45 minutes later, the picture on the left was taken, and here's the deal. Leah asked if I would take her to her prom, um, or maybe I asked her if I could take her to her prom. I can't, can't remember exactly how it went down. I, I just remember that the details were, if we were going to prom, I had to get a haircut, and she got to cut my hair. And so I love, you can tell, at first I'm all cozied up, I got my arm around her, and then I'm like, oh, I don't know, I'm not so sure right now. Like, my smile's like, ah, am I going to let her cut my hair? I love my hair. But uh, anyways, anyways, here's the deal. Here's why I bring all this up. As we look at this letter in Scripture, and that's what we're reading. We're reading something that was written from a few people to a group of people. Every letter has a sender. Every letter has a receiver. Every letter has a message. There's something in what is being sent. And, and this is important, this is important for this morning in particular, uh, every letter has a context. It has a language it was written in. It has has a particular moment in time and history and culture of when it was written. And, And to understand the context is to actually help better understand the content, actually the letter itself. And, and so to understand these letters that I just put down, it'd be helpful to know these are two teenagers. These are two teenagers who live in the suburbs of Spokane, who are smitten with each other, who, you know, like all that context would help in understanding what's going on. And so what we're going to do as we walk through this second chapter in this book called First Thessalonians is we are going to kind of walk through, we'll kind of go a little, couple verses, and then I'm going to share just a little context. And it's going to help us understand the content, not just for the sake of knowing what the authors are trying to say to the original audience, but understanding the context, it'll help us understand how this applies to us today, right here, right now. And so if you want to follow along, uh, grab, grab one of the Bibles and the seat backs in front of you. Uh, I'd encourage you to do this. Uh, uh, yeah, we'll have it on screen. We'll have it in the notes. But snag one of these things. And the coolest thing about this is, I'll tell you the page number it's on if, if you want to flip there. Uh, page number 714, which is also Leah and I's wedding anniversary. So it's just like meant to be. It's just perfect. Uh, so page 714, while, while you're flipping there, I also want to encourage you, follow along with us. Uh, on the back of your connection card, you can mark that you want to follow along with the reading plan. You, you can just download the Overlake app, and we got the reading plan there. Uh, but uh, we're, we're having hundreds of us just go through as we're going to read through the book of 1 Thessalonians every single week. And if reading feels daunting to you, just listen to it. It took me 13 minutes. If you go onto the Bible app, 13 minutes of just listening. That was like half my commute to work one day. So, so there you go. All right. We're on page 714. Here we go. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Authors, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, sending to a group of people in the city called Thessalonica. And, and here's what they're saying. Here's, and, and Neely started last week, so we've already covered a little bit. But now we're jumping in kind of to the, the middle of the letter here. Here's what's written. It says, You yourselves know, dear brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not a failure. What I love is if you were to read through this whole letter, and it's not long. I mean, if you're looking in that Bible, it's just one, it's two pages. 
uh, you would notice that phrase, brothers and sisters, show up 16 times. And that's one of the clues that we know. Paul and Timothy and Silas, they love this church. They love these people that they're writing to. They're big, big fans. And, and they're just reminding them, when we visited you uh, back when, it was not without failure. Big things happened. Verse 2, you know how badly we have been treated at Philippi just before we came to you and how much we suffered there. Yet our God gave us the courage to declare his good news to you boldly in spite of great opposition. So here, Paul and the authors here, they're kind of hearkening back. They're like, hey, before we showed up and spent some time with you guys, uh, we, we actually came from a city called Philippi, just up the road, not too far. Uh, Thessalonians would have known where that was for sure. And... And when we came to you, we had just gotten driven out of Philippi. It, it was not a great visit to Philippi. And if you want to read about it, it's in Acts chapter 16. You can kind of cross-reference what they're talking about. Uh, they got beaten. Uh, they got in, in jail. And then they got just sent out of town. And, and, and not like with fame. Although it, what comes to mind, whenever you look at Paul's life and his journeys and the people that he was on these journeys with... He'd, he was not quiet about persecution and suffering at all. Uh, there, there's a quote from an old Yale football coach that says, if they're going to drive you out of town, if they're going to kick you out of town, just get in front and make it look like a parade. And uh, Paul kind of did that. Pressure would come. Persecution would come. He'd, he'd be getting beaten publicly. He'd be getting put on trial publicly. He'd be getting put in jail publicly. And he just leveraged it as an opportunity of like, hey, great, I got a crowd. Hey, people, let me tell you about a story of a man named Jesus who loves you, who died for you, who rose again from the grave. And it's not just for people who are Jewish. This is for everybody. And Paul would just take these opportunities and just kind of turn them into a parade. And so... He gets kicked out, beaten up, driven out of Philippi, and shows up to Thessalonica, into this other city, which if you go to now, it's beautiful. It's right on, right on the coast there in Greece, waterfront property, great vacation destination. But, 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 but Paul shows up, and he's like, guys, when we showed up, remember the state that we showed up in? We were getting hammered, and we knew we were coming into a city where we might get hammered again, and uh, hammered and, and, you know, getting beat up. All right, here it goes. Verse 3, so you can see we were not preaching with any deceit or impure motives or trickery. So already we're kind of getting a sense, and this is where context is helpful, that Paul is being a little proactive here, perhaps even reactive. We're not entirely sure. Paul knew what was going to happen after he left Thessalonica and had just started this church. He knew other people were going to move into town. And we're going to dog him and Timothy and Silas and say, everything they did, said, just discount. It doesn't matter. It's, it's a farce. It's false. It's, it's just a, a bunch of baloney. And so Paul's starting to build his case and respond to what he knows critics are going to say. And one of the things that critics are going to say is he didn't have pure motives. He was actually trying to trick you guys. And so Paul's going through a list here. And you'll see other things that he's addressing. Verse 4. For we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. So he, he, he's saying we showed up because we were entrusted with a message, with good news to share with you. Our purpose is to please God. So he's even letting them know, hey, our motive, the thing we were there for, it was actually to please God, not people. He alone examines the motives of our hearts. Verse 6 now. Never once, I love this, he's very clear. Paul, Timothy, and Silas are like, never once. You guys could talk about it. Thessalonians, talk about it. But never once did we try to win you with flattery, as you well know. And God is our witness that we were not preaching to be your friends just to get your money. We weren't just showing up, telling you what you wanted to hear, and then passing the offering bucket to get rich off of you. That's what Paul's saying. Ends here in verse uh, 6. And as for human praise, we have never sought it out from you or anyone else. Amen. So Paul's reminding them, the authors here are reminding the church in Thessalonica, hey, just remember what it was like when we came to you guys. Right, right. All these false claims that are going to come, and maybe you're already coming, they're just not true. Think through what you saw. 
He's, he's saying, we didn't show up and, and just share a little bit and then set up a pop-up tent where it's like, you can buy the, ta- the Paul, Silas, and Timothy t-shirt, you know, hashtag this, we're trending, like buy our CDs and tapes and DVDs and, you know, subscribe now for only $9.99 a month. Like, you know, like they weren't doing any of that. And in fact, that was really common in that time. Um, I, 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 I've heard this. I don't know if this is true. I've never had a drug dealer, but I've heard I've heard that a good drug dealer gives you the first little bit for free and then charges you after that. This is what would happen. People would show up into towns and they would start sharing a few thoughts, a few philosophies. They were really good orators that were just itinerant. They would just move city to city. And once they kind of put their hook out, then they made you pay to hear a little bit more. Then they made you pay to be a part of their small group or their little class or their little following. And it was a way to get rich. It was a way to take advantage of people. And what Paul's saying is, that wasn't us. That wasn't us. First of all, we shared a message with you that we get beaten up for. So there's that. So just take that into account. And then there's the fact that we, we never asked for your money. We, we never even tried to flatter you. Or we, we weren't into this whole people-pleasing thing or manipulative thing. And so Paul is building the case. Our motives were pure. Our motives were pure. And so here's the encouragement. Here's what I think we can walk away with. Here are the Overlake family, Thessalonians of today. Here's what I would say. Here's an encouragement. You have been entrusted with so much. Keep your motives pure. Keep your motives pure. And I say it as a, an encouragement because it's already happening. This is what I've, I've gotten to see ministry here and be a part of Overlake for 12 years now. And never once have I sniffed greed as a part of the equation or somehow tricking people or manipulation or somehow trying to get rich and famous. Never once. In fact, I've seen the opposite. I've seen people who are willing to suffer. People who are willing to just serve faithfully. People who are willing to give sacrificially. People who are willing to live on mission, a type love that costs them because of pure motives. And that's the encouragement. Let's just keep at it. Let's keep focused. And let's just keep that, 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 that pure motive of, of being entrusted with the good news at the core of what we do. And in case this is your first time in any church ever, good news is simply this. Good news, whenever we use that languaging in kind of a Christian context, we're not talking about some principle or some idea. We're talking about a person. The good news is Jesus, Amen. is the story of Jesus is that God became man. God became and, and entered into humanity, took on flesh and blood, and lived a perfect life. Uh, the good news is the story of Christ's birth and life and ministry and death and burial and resurrection and, and ascension into heaven. It's the whole story that, that God is a God who loves everyone, everywhere for all time. And everyone gets to be included. And that's what we've been entrusted with. So we've talked a few things through of like kind of questions we're asking of scripture, like who wrote it, who's it to, and kind of what's going on. But here, here's a little tip. And here's something that, again, as you're reading through First Thessalonians this week uh, to keep in mind. Let the text, let scripture, let the Bible, let it ask you questions too. Let it ask you some questions too. Let it give you some things to actually think through and wrestle on and, and try to really kind of spend time thinking about. And so here's two questions that stuck out to me when I just read this little portion of scripture. Two questions are this. One, who am I trying to please? Paul, Timothy, Silas, they're pretty dead set on they know their motives are pure. That They're just living. They're doing exactly what they feel like the Lord has called them to do. Not to please people, but in total alignment with their calling. And then second, there's another question in here that I, that I felt like I needed to ask is, what are my motives for doing what I do? What's the why behind what you do? All your different decision makings and behaviors, everything that you, you know, spend energy and effort and time and money and energy and giftings on. What's behind all that? What's the driving force? And I don't know. I, I don't know if we can think about this often enough. It's so helpful to, to really get zeroed in on, on what is our motive. And so this is, this is what we allow scripture to do. And, and maybe we start with even just Paul's list. 
he kind of runs through a handful of things. He says, one, my motive isn't greed. It's not to get more and more and more. So maybe that's a good place for us to think, like, is what I'm doing about trying to collect more? Second thing, he talks about trickery, like it wasn't to try to trick or manipulate, trying to get other people to do what it is that I want them to do. Maybe that's something for us to think about, consider. Another thing is flattery or fame. Are, are we just telling people what they want to hear? So again, we maybe have an alignment of what people can do for us. Is it about people pleasing to us? And so these are some things to kind of pause and to think about and to allow the scripture to ask us. I know for me, when I was answering this question, I felt like I had to t just jot down like, oh man, Lord, so quickly I slip into times of just trying to be a people pleaser. I just, it's easier for people to like me. You know, I just want to be liked. What's wrong with that? And yet, if it pulls me off course of what the Lord would want, of what Jesus would call me to, then that's a problem. And I need to be in some recovery on that. And that's why we do a Tuesday night awesome ministry here every single week. Celebrate recovery. Amen. Anything that pulls you off course is something we need to be in recovery from. Of getting back on kind of really recovering the direction of our lives. Of these motives. And so it's something that you're all invited to. But, but again, this is what scripture does. Is we allow it to ask us questions. So now, Paul. Why would he address this particular kind of list of things? Well, we know people are going to kind of try to, try to attack him. But here, here's the deal. If people can attack the character of the leaders who started this whole thing, Paul, Timothy, Silas, then it discounts the message they gave. If somehow there can be little fissures or little cracks or little, little, little problems with the, with, the, with the character or the credibility of, of Paul and Timothy and Silas, then pretty soon people can say, but then their message doesn't count. It's not true. You shouldn't, you shouldn't give your life to Jesus. You don't need to love your neighbor as yourself. And so this is why Paul's building a case like, hey, it's important that you see how we were with you is actually building trust between us, not for the sake of us, but we want you to believe this message. We want you to believe what we told you. And this is what the enemy loves to do. The enemy can't attack the truth of the gospel, the truth of what Jesus has done. That's true. That's done. The enemy would love to attack the people who witness to that fact. Amen. The enemy would love to discount the credibility, the character of the people that are saying, hey, you should listen to what we have to say. Because if you can corrode this, if you can destroy this, if you can subvert this, then people don't have to think that this even matters. And this is why a theme, it's not as present here in this, these verses, uh, but if you read the letter, you'll see it. Paul's big on live holy lives. Live lives worthy of the calling you've been given. Because when you do that, people will not just trust you for the sake of trusting you. They'll be able to trust the gospel and the gospel stands Amen. and the gospel transforms. And so this is what we're after. Because if the gospel, if the character of the people sharing the gospel can be attacked and kind of corroded, then everything Pastor Neely talked about last week, it really begins to fall apart. The faithful work sputters to a halt. The loving deeds cease. The enduring hope dwindles. Trust is central. And we have to recognize that the enemy, the accuser, is going to be using tactics to try to corrode this to try to get us to not trust one another, to try to get us to not be trusted by people on the outside who haven't heard the good news or think they have, but don't trust the source of where they heard it from. And so this is what Paul is inviting the church into. And it's another question I think we could ask ourselves. Why would people believe what I have to say about Jesus? Why? Why would someone, why would someone believe you? In this message that you have of this good news of who Jesus is. And Paul is saying our lives need to be in alignment with that message. We got to live out this good news too. It can't just be lip service. And so here's where it goes next into verse 7. As apostles of Christ, we certainly had a right to make some demands of you. So he could have been like, hey, it would have been fair for us to actually be like, hey, help support us. We're really working hard here. Like teaching isn't easy. It doesn't just happen. You got to prepare. You got to study. You got to be ready to field questions. But instead, 
we were like children among you. In some translations, it says gentle. It's getting after this idea that we weren't domineering. We weren't lording ourselves over you. We were like just siblings. We were like children among you, gentle. Or we were like a mother feeding and caring for her own family. Uh, circle the word uh, mother in there. We'll, we'll come back to that in a minute. But, but Paul's kind of laying down some of these terms, some of these images. He's starting to build a really beautiful metaphor that we'll, we'll come back to. But now, now in verse 8 here. We loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives too. Amen. It wasn't just about talking a good talk. We shared life together. Amen. We shared life together. And that's the, that's the challenge that we get to walk away with that actually speaks to us in our context. It's that we share both the good news and lives with others. Share both the good news and share your lives with others. I came across this poem. I don't know the source of it. I read it from N.T. Wright. He doesn't know the source. But I think it speaks to this powerfully. That people are waiting to see a living example of what this looks like. And so here's this poem. I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I'd rather one would walk with me than merely show the way. The eye's a better pupil, more willing than the ear. Fine counsel is confusing, but example's always clear. Amen. It's so powerful when we invite others and we actually enter into others' lives to share life together. Just working together, eating together, pulling weeds together, uh, getting groceries together. I anything that you do, you just begin to do it with others. So you begin to rub shoulders. So that people begin to see, what does a Jesus follower look like? What do they, what do, what do they talk like? What do they smell like? I, I don't know. You know, all those things. Like, but it's important that we, that we be proximate to others, near others. And this is no new strategy. Paul's not making this up. This is what Jesus showed us. This is what Jesus shows us. And so we get to enter into it also. Here's, here's the example that came to mind in kind of stitching some of these thoughts together. We kind of have the, the motives piece about trust uh, and, and then also this idea of sharing life. Uh, what came to my mind was when my wife and I, when Leah and I first started coming to Overlake uh, 12-ish years ago now, and it was genuinely just to get someone off our back. They just kept inviting us, and the only way we knew that they'd stop is if we came at least once. So we came, uh, and, and we ended up keep coming. But in that first time, it wasn't all bad. We're like, okay, we'll come back. It, we had just enough trust built that we're like, okay, we'll come back next week. And then there was a little bit more trust built that we came back the following week. But underneath, I think, it, kind of in our minds and stuff, and we talked about this in the car, we were still curious, like, what were the motives? You know, like, who's behind this whole thing? Is someone getting rich? Or what, you know, like, it seems like a big building, like, big screens. What's going on over here? You know, like, th things like that. We're just like, what's up? What, what's, what's that? What, what's this all about? And then I remember that summer, 2008, uh, there was the, the church was saying, hey, we're going to come around uh, some of the local schools. We're going to help the properties out. The budgets are low. And so really there's, there's just not landscaping. There's not the hours needed for, for, for janitorial staff and stuff. So we're going to help. We're going to help pitch in. And, and so Lee and I, we go to Cottage Lake Elementary. And, and, and I remember showing up. And other people showed up. And I remember thinking, oh, this is good. Okay, other, other people actually want to do this too. It's not just talking big from stage. There's actually other people that do this stuff. So we start pulling weeds. Well, then right next to us, I realize it's Mike Howerton. It's, it's the pastor. It's the dude that's standing on the stage. It's on the big screens. He's pulling weeds too. Like, what's he doing here? Why would he do this? You know, and, 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 and again, it was just this idea of like some of the things that we had questioned, we realized, oh, wow, there's an alignment. And so as we really kind of began to share life and begin to see and rub shoulders with what was going on, we began to really see just how beautiful of the church this really was. And that wasn't just one thing. It was, it was any number of things. Helping out in student ministries, uh, going to, their, going to a, a, a Leavenworth winter camp with students and seeing what was happening. Not just talking about students, but actually being there with them and seeing how, how they uh, uh, hang out together and leaders invest in them. And this is a picture from this year's Leavenworth. They're actually there right now. High schoolers are there right now. And it's so cool to, again actually be in close proximity to these things, to build that trust, to get to be a part of something. And so what's it look like for you? 
What, what, what way maybe uh, might you need to begin to take a bit of a risk and see what it looks like to share life with other Overlakers? Uh, it could be one of the things that will be on the tables on the way out. Uh, guys, uh, bros, gents, my fellow brotato chips, uh, on, on Friday, February 21st from 6 to 10, we're just going to hang out. We're just going to gather Great time to be able to connect with one another. Uh, it's, it's sometimes hard on a Sunday morning trying to get all where we're going, but, but to just carve out a little Friday evening to make that happen. That might be the great next step for you of just being able to begin to share life. And as I mentioned earlier, it's not just sharing life together. It's, it's not just us four, some holy huddle and no more, you know. Like, it's no, we share life with others, with our neighbors, coworkers, people we're in class with. People that, that, that we meet at the coffee shop. Like, these should be spaces where we begin to see opportunities to share more and more life with people. Um, two years ago, this is going to sound like the, the most gloating I've ever done. And so just trust me. Trust me. I think my motives are pure. I'm not totally positive, but I think they are. Two years ago, I got the most amazing compliment I've ever been given. Here's what it was. Uh, Two years ago, I got asked to get to be a part of this team that was going to work on this leadership project with a, a, a local organization uh, down in Renton. And, and it was a team. I didn't know everyone. A lot of new faces were around the table. And so we're getting to know each other as we're working on this project. And one lady in particular, a gay woman, she was so fun. Such a great, encouraging, like dynamic teammate, really great communicator, like just a very gifted leader. She, at the end of the six months together... She told me, this was the compliment I got. She said, Patrick, I just have to tell you, being around you has made me have to rethink what I think about Christians. And I remember being incredibly honored, incredibly honored. And then about two seconds later, feeling like just waves of feeling like horrified, like, man, what has happened? Like, like, how many, like, just judgmental looks and comments has she been on the receiving end of from people who identified as Jesus followers? What, what has she read? What has she seen? What, what has she experienced that made her have to rethink that maybe not all Christians are, are, are hateful or, or demeaning or judgmental? And, and it was a huge compliment. But again, also, it was like, wow. That is the importance of being able to begin to share lives with others. Because there's so many people that won't feel comfortable coming here. And so we get to share lives with them where they're at. And this is the challenge. This is what we get to go after together. And so how are you sharing life with not just other Overlakers, but with non-Overlakers as well? All right, we'll round out these last few verses here. Start in verse 9, we'll go through 12, and, and then we'll come in for a landing. Here, here, here's what Paul and Timothy and Silas say. They, they say, don't you remember, dear brothers and sisters? So again, that resurfaces, that, that phrase, brothers and sisters, uh, 16 times that's in there. There's another one. How hard we worked among you. Don't forget, we worked so hard among you guys. We worked long days. Night and day we toiled to earn a living so that we would not be a burden to any of you as we preach God's good news to you. Again, just the story of Jesus. You yourselves are our witnesses, and so is God, that we were devout and honest and faultless toward all of you believers. We were committed. We were stacking hands on this. We were laser focused all about what God was calling us to do. Verse 11, and you know that we treated each of you as a father treats his own children. So circle that word father. So now we have brothers and sisters. We have a, a caring mother, and now we have a father in the picture too. And we'll end it. Verse, verse 12. We, we pleaded with you, encouraged you, and urged you to live your lives in a way that God would consider worthy. Again, this alignment. That, that, that the message that we're speaking is in alignment with how we're living. For he called you to share in his kingdom and glory. Not in Rome's kingdom and glory. Not, not in America's kingdom and glory. In God's kingdom and glory. In, in the way of love. Where, 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 where love is the highest ethic, the only way. Where, where, where things like justice roll down. And, 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 and so he's reminding them again whose we are. But I love this theme that's woven throughout. And it really, it's this last feeling, if you want to jot it down, it's this word. We have to remember that we are familia. We are familia. And here's why I strategically, here's why I, I purposely, intentionally chose uh, this Spanish word for family. 
is because last week I got to witness this at just an all new level. It's one of my favorite moments. I actually texted the, the Angie, the, the one who was facilitating the meeting last week. I was like, this was one of my favorite moments of ministry at Overlake. And so on Sunday morning, during the first service, there was 19 of our Spanish speaker family members. And, and they speak Spanish way better than I've ever spoken English. Like, and and we're, we're, we've gathered in, in Transformados in this eight-week journey. And the first meeting was just about introductions. Just every person standing up sharing their name, how long they've been at Overlake, but then just getting to share a little bit about who they are. And in every single one, it, it just the, the thickness of love in the room was like palpable. Like one person in and I was in tears. And, 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 and so I, you know, I got my Kleenex and I'm like taking care of business here and, and, and someone's translating for me on what people are saying. And on some level, I felt like I almost didn't even need it. Like maybe I couldn't understand word for word, but my heart could understand their heart. The way they were looking at one another and sharing how, like, this is their family. The hard roads they've come. And this is family. The way they talked about Overlake, I, I told them. After I stumbled through Yome Yamo Patrick and then cried, I told them, <laughs> I feel like I'm living in a dream right now. I feel like everything we talk about is happening. And that's what I would desire for every single one of us. To them, church isn't a meeting time and a location. It's a people. It's a family. It's familia. Right. I would hope for each and every one of us, it's not a location or a meeting time. It's familia. It's family. Do you disagree with family sometimes? Yes. Do you rub each other the wrong way sometimes? Absolutely. But do you love one another? Do you care for one another? Do you stick up for one another? Do you make sure that there's this togetherness, that, hey, we're in it together. No matter how hard it gets out there, we're together in here. And they get that, and they shared that in a way that was so profound. So Overlake, here's what I would ask you to do. In this moment, let's stand as I begin to pray over us, and then let's respond in worship, being reminded of whose family we're a part of. Let's be reminded of of, of our father. Let's be reminded of, of the one who cares and nurtures us like a mother to children. Let's be reminded that we have a brother in Christ. We have one who has shown us what it means to love one another. Let's pray. Lord, this is my request, and it's really everything I've been saying. Would you just help us with this? It's, it's great to talk about, think about, and, and, and listen to, but, but we need your spirit. We need your help to put this into practice. We want to be a family, and, and, and only if it means we're a family that is just breathed into by you, that, that's built upon you. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.
May that song continue to be our prayers. We head into this next week. Thanks. Have a seat. I'm Pastor Lynn, one of the pastors on the team here. So glad to worship with you, my friends and my family, right? We're brothers and sisters, and we're here together. We're going to continue on in our worship and our response by the giving of our gifts and our offerings. Um, if you have a prayer request or need or a comment, please feel, filled, feel free to fill out the connection card. We'd love to communicate with you. And last week, I had such a privilege of meeting a handful of new to Overlake people. It was really great because um, part of their storyline was you guys invited them to come. So continue doing that. Uh, so if you are newer to Overlake, we'd love for you to fill out what you feel comfortable with on this card and take it to the Welcome Center. We have a gift to give you. We'd love to connect with you in a, in a different way. I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward right now. And as you've seen the last couple of weeks through the offering time, we are continuing to have people come share part of their stories. And so I wanted to uh, invite up my friends, the Denvers, to come share about what God's been doing in their lives. Can you guys welcome them? Thank you. Thanks so much. We're Angelina and Alan, and we've been at Overlake for six years and serve in a variety of ways here, but especially in the foster and adoption ministry. When Angelina and I first got married, we both knew we wanted to have children, so we were quite devastated to learn that we're infertile. We tried infertility treatments that were quite painful, both physically and emotionally. It was a huge roller coaster. We made a bunch of embryos, which were put on ice, and we tried to get pregnant with them, but it just really wasn't working. We were really frustrated and defeated. We decided to put the last batch on ice, and we turned to adoption instead. Adoption was a very normal choice at this point. I'm a former foster youth and was raised by a family that didn't give birth to me. So we expanded our family through adoption. First, a teenager came to live with us at age 13. We adopted her when she was 16. At the same time, we adopted a baby, Libby. Then came Abby and Becca. Well, our last batch of embryos had been on ice for six years by then, and we really didn't have a lot of hope that they'd work. But we tried the procedure one last time and got pregnant with Stephen. After that, we did a bunch of foster care. We really didn't intend to adopt again, but then Caleb came into our family at age seven, and we adopted him a couple of years later. So it's easy to see how foster care and adoption became our mission, our ministry. First, it was just to survive this crazy journey for the sake of our own family. Then it became something to help and support and recruit and mentor others. One really big part of our lives has been the annual Refresh Conference. The foster and adoptive parents really love here at OCC, and it's hosted every year. If you'd like to know more about that, I'll be out there in the hallway recruiting for volunteers. I'm really in desperate need, so consider coming out and volunteering. Uh, which reminds me, I need to sign up for that. Thanks. In addition to our involvement in the Refresh Conference, Angelina and I also host the annual Refreshed Families Camp for foster and adoptive families up at Warm Beach each summer. I'm also on the board of the Seattle Angels, a nonprofit that serves to foster families and foster children. You know, we're really thankful to God for how he turned our infertility into a family. Our journey really hasn't always been easy, but we wouldn't trade it for anything. Thank you so much for letting us share. Thanks, you guys. Thanks for being willing to share such a tender space of life. And as we know, all of us have been through our own journeys of suffering and how God shows up in the midst of it and redeems and reclaims space. So thank you for that. Well, for sure, go chat with them just because they're actually super cool people and you want to get to know them. <laughs> the other thing is we'd love for you to consider volunteering at Refresh. And as you walk out the hallway, you'll see some other tables out there. We have opportunities to serve internationally around the world in uh, the summer and into the fall. So check out some of those opportunities. I'll be out there and chat with me about that too. Why don't you go ahead and stand up as we close out with our blessing. As always, we have incredible people that would love to pray with you if you are 
in need or have something special in your heart or need to talk about spiritual decisions, just go out on the first floor and look for the signs and somebody will be there to greet you in that. So receive this blessing for the week. May we be the people that show up, that sh open up our lives and share Jesus. May we be the people that live out the good news to bring sight to those whose eyes are blind and to release captives. May we be the people that seek God's kingdom first, that the orientation of love and God's kingdom come would be the first of our decisions. May we be God's people that know him and know his love. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. We look forward to seeing you next week.